Ahoy, and welcome to the Meglerverse, where I, Dan Megler, pull back the curtain on mental health and answer your questions about how the whole process works, and hopefully share some of my experiences and the experiences of the clients that I'm working with to enlighten and potentially entertain you. Um, this is called the Not Allowed to Die podcast, because when I'm working with you, when I'm talking to you, and when I'm working with any of my clients, I have just one rule. You can do whatever it takes to get you through this world. You're just not allowed to die. Uh, it does come with some caveats. I often tease and taunt people. I'll say, if you're doing a lot of like kitten murder, I'm very anti-kitten murder. So, um, or children, anybody, if you're if you're really into murder, I might have a hard time working with you. But that being said, I haven't run into that too often. So today, I want to talk a little bit about an issue that I was dealing with a lot at work this week, which is how to support people, tra particularly trans and genderqueer or gender non-conforming people. Um, and using they, them pronouns. So, because a lot of people of my age and older, um, 44, uh, struggle with this idea of using they, them. Uh, it just feels wrong. It feels grammatically problematic. <laughs> and they want to be supportive. I'm, they're like, I, I, I'm on board with the whole understanding trans thing. And the, this person is, you know, they, they they don't feel like they fit in their body, so let's support them. But just they, them, really, it just, yeah, it's so confusing. So I want to hopefully, by the end of this episode, make that a little bit less confusing and feel a little bit more comfortable. And if you do have questions about trans people, genderqueer, anything in that realm, again, and questions about anything, feel free to email me at daniel.magler, that's M-A-I-G-L-E-R, at L-I-V-E dot com. Or you can follow me on Quora, because I would... I am not the foremost expert on everything queer and trans related. I am someone who has, I looked, I was making a list before I started recording this. This week, so this was the first full week of school at the school where I work, I dealt with 13 different trans or genderqueer students and their issues. And uh, that's a lot. That's more than normal for me. Uh, not that I wouldn't necessarily have that many trans or genderqueer students, but um, to have them all like at the beginning of the school year and dealing with those issues. I think it's partially because we're coming out of pandemic and being a lot of kids being back in school in person when they were online, they were able to just, you know, use whichever name or whatnot. And it didn't seem like as big a deal, but now that they're in the building and wanting people to call them by a name that feels comfortable, um, it's conflicting a little bit more dealing with PE teachers on, you know, okay, and this kid's changing this locker room or this, that, or the other. So start out with the first issue that I dealt with this week was one of my uh, trans students who he's been out since eighth grade and is now a senior in high school. And he went, he's involved in a cosmetology program where he's, if you do it for, this is his second year. And if you do it for two years, you can get light up, uh, become a licensed cosmetologist. They have a new teacher and it's at a, a different, uh, it's related to a community college near our high school so they have a new teacher there and the teacher is openly gay but he kept even though the student had communicated with him by email before the class and said hey i know my name says this you know female name on some in some places but i don't go by that name please don't use that please use this instead and the teacher still when he took attendance you know used what we call the dead name and my student finds that very, very triggering and very upsetting. And then because they're saying like they they want everyone, all the other students to just identify them with their chosen name or 
what a lot of people will call their true name. And when somebody uses that dead name, even a little bit, it kind of shakes that. And if it makes them feel him feel very, very uncomfortable. And so and the, the teacher caught himself and he's like, oh, you know, I just I'm just so not used to this. It's just so weird. And for that student hearing it, it's just so weird, especially from someone else who's in the queer community. Um, it felt very invalidating and it made it hard for him to want to go back, even though, you know, the teacher was apologetic and whatnot. And I don't say this. I, I want you to know if you are new to interacting and trying to figure out your way through um, supporting trans people. In general, if a person feels like you are, in my experience, if the, the young person or whoever, whatever age, if they feel like you're trying, they're going to cut you a lot of latitude. If you use a wrong pronoun or you do whatever, but you're really, they can tell that your your desire is to make them feel like comfortable and do what they want you to do. Then if you're off a little bit, not going to be a big deal. But it's when you're also, though, kind of minimizing or failing to recognize the importance of that. And another, similarly, I had another student who's not trans or genderqueer, but they are asexual. And they were watching one of their favorite YouTubers. And the YouTuber was making an example of how, how natural something was. And they're like, it's as natural as guys being attracted to girls and just, you know, that, and, and you know, that's just normal. That's normal. It's the way it is. It's, you know, and this YouTuber is generally, is not homophobic, but for this asexual person, who's not attracted to anyone to be kind of told <laughs> what you reminded, what you are is not normal, what you are is not typical. The student is aware of that. They know that they're atypical, but they don't, when they're just relaxing and watching YouTube about a video game that they like, it just feels like a slap in the face to say, yep, you're weird, you're not normal, and the world doesn't think you're gonna have an amazing life. So it's, it's challenging. Another trans student was talking in group about how, in general, uh, his father is great about recognizing his pronouns, everything else like that. But sometimes when he has friends who have um, changed, like let's say he met a friend when they were representing by a certain set of pronouns and a as, as a certain gender, and then the friend changes and they're asking to be used they, them pronouns, this student notices his father struggles a little bit more. And he said, it's so funny because, you know, he can do it for me, so why can't he do it for these other people? And kind of was minimizing it when the student reminded him, like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm like, all right, enough with the they, them pronoun stuff. And the student was like, what, what do you mean enough with that? Like, this is a thing and you, you, should, you, like, you can know how important this is for me because I was ready to die because I felt so uncomfortable in the body that I was mistakenly assigned to at birth so for the for his father to minimize that it just felt devastating similarly his father who is generally great i mean just an incredible person but he said sometimes at the end of a week of a long work week his dad seems a little frazzled and we'll just say silly kind of stupid stuff and they were driving home and they were behind a person who was not a very good driver and his father said oh i bet it's a mexican woman they're the worst drivers and the degree to which that statement upset and made my client feel unsafe because he's like, if like, here you are, you're this person who's my champion. You're this person who I respect so much. And if you can just make an ignorant statement like that, 
there are some terrible Mexican women drivers, and there are some great Mexican women drivers. There are some terrible Serbian men drivers, and there are some. I'm I'm mediocre as a driver, and I'm as white male as it gets. Um, so we know, and his dad knows that, and it also hurts because the student's best friend is Mexican, and so when these kind of minimizing statements, they can make us feel unsafe. None of us are safe until all of us are safe. If we can justify doing violence or disrespecting someone because of their race or their sexual orientation or their religion or you know anything, then we can justify it against someone else. I told the students that I had a client years ago and her husband and her father-in-law were talking about a man who they had known who fell off the back of, his, of a motorcycle and they were laughing about. Um, he was very badly injured. I think he was in a coma. And she was devastated at how they could be so callous about a human life. And they said, but he was a jerk. He was a drug dealer. Like, it doesn't matter. And in my office, she was telling me how that made her feel so unsafe because she had a history of depression and had you know, been hospitalized for being suicidal. And in her mind, if they could justify why that young man's life didn't matter because of the choices he had made. Why couldn't, it's just as easy to imagine that they could be doing that about her. So I think that's where we have to be careful in recognizing what, what signals are we sending with anyone if, as we are trying to dismiss the importance of a certain thing. Another student was, who's genderqueer uh, and recently like to the world presents as extremely feminine. You know, and this conflict that they feel because they they wish they could just tell the whole world, the whole school, their family, that they don't they don't feel like they're male, but they also don't really feel like they're female. That doesn't mean that sometimes they don't like to dress in a way that appears feminine. And this confusion and almost like this idea that they have to start presenting in a certain way for the world to accept them and see them so that they, if they ever should share that they feel gender queer, meaning they don't feel like they feel like they're kind of on a spectrum of genders and maybe some days more one way than the other, but that if they don't consistently present in a certain way, they're invalidating themselves. Now, fortunately, this was in a group where I was the only cis person. So CIS, cis, just means your sex and your gender align. So most of you listening to this are probably cis. And that's not a bad thing. Trans does not mean transitioning. It means across from. So it's a scientific term that means like on the opposite side of. So when your sex and your gender do not match, we can call that trans. So gender non-binary or gender queer are terms that some people will use. And again, depending on the person, you'll hear different people assigning different values and names to things. And again, five years from now, what I'm saying to you will probably be off in some direction because the, the language is constantly changing. But these mean people who feel like they don't necessarily describe themselves um, or feel always like they are one gender or another. And so they are and a gender fluid. Like so sexual orientation um, and gender identity can be what we call fluid, meaning it can change for some people over time. So there are some who want to, when I when they hear about a person being genderqueer, 
and they'll say, well, you weren't genderqueer. I know as a kid, you were not genderqueer, so therefore you can't be. Like, if it doesn't show up by age four, it's not legit real. And why why would we just say that? <laughs> Did all of us know everything about ourselves over time? Uh, on national on public radio, there's a, there's a program called Radio Lab and a great series, I think it's a six-part series called Gonads. And they explore the science behind our sexual organs and that our, every one of our bodies is constantly fighting a battle between male and female hormones and that every one of our bodies could biologically shift if the hormones got out of balance. There was a recent news story on a tank of female sharks where there have been no male sharks in this tank for 10 years. And recently, a shark pup was born. And so what does that mean? It means that sometimes in nature, life finds a way. And there are a number of species of fish and other things like that where the, the gender and the sex will actually change if there are no like males or if there are no females the bodies will change to help balance that out. So there are all these people who actively reject the idea, they'll say, of homosexuality or, you know, gender identity, things like that. And they'll say, well, it's not natural. And if you think that, you're not really looking at nature because nature does have a great amount of variety. When I was in high school, I took two years of Italian and I had an incredible Italian teacher. She was hilarious and a powerful force. And her name was Bella Stella Weber. Her, her name was Stella Weber, but Bella means beautiful. And she told us that when she was growing up in Italy, she was punished for being left-handed. The Italian word for left is sinistra. So, and they literally mean like sinister. And they really thought that there was like a devil on your left shoulder. And if you were left-handed, that was bad. And if she wrote with her left hand, she would be made to stand and hold a book out with her left hand until her arm got sore. There are left-handed people in the world, despite the fact that a lot of society wanted at certain times to eliminate that. And I think that's great for, you know, people playing first base and for, as a lacrosse coach, we loved our lefties. Um, about the same percentage of the planet that's left-handed is queer, probably a little bit higher. So about 11% of the world is left-handed. Eh, about 10 or 11% of the, the world is we, we know is openly queer. Pro the numbers of young people who are identifying as queer in some way, and queer by queer, I mean anything other than your traditional heterosexual cis you know, upbringing. So if a person is anything, like even like gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgendered, questioning, uh, asexual, like the, all the alphabet soup, something that's just other than they're queer. And again, so our numbers in the younger groups are, are hovering around 20%. And some people come to me and they say, why are we seeing so much more of this now? Do you think more people really are? I think every person who is identifying as anything, we should take them at their word. There may be some people who they feel like they're not they don't fit. And this may just be the closest description they've found to date, to date that explains how and why they don't really feel like they fit. Um, but I think for a lot more, it's just they're seeing more examples and that it's it's okay to come forward with them. Uh, a podcast for another time will be, I think we have a lot more people who hear voices than anybody knows. Right now, they'd say about 1% of the population uh, has schizophrenia. 
Well, I, th in my anecdotal experience, I have encountered a number of young people, teenagers, who hear voices who are otherwise totally normal. And I think they, and they like, I'm the only person that they've ever told. They don't plan on telling their parents, their doctor, anyone. And I don't think these people are going to go on to have schizophrenia that impacts their life. But so therefore, they're never going to seek treatment. So our numbers are never going to reflect them because they're ashamed and they're afraid they're going to get locked up. Well, so that's why, though, now with as problematic as she is, like Caitlyn Jenner or other things like that, making RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, the, seeing these ideas, uh, it helps people to say, yeah, you know what? This is the way I'm feeling. And this has been all throughout history. Uh, you know, Elagabalus, uh, Roman emperor, was clearly trans. And there are, you know, Native American groups, uh, Aboriginal tribes, you know, have, have language for this. So this is nothing that's new. So we come now to the idea of using they, them in conversation. And people saying, like, well, how do you do that? How do you tell how many people you're talking about? Well, I liken it to in the Elizabethan era and much of history, we dealt with something called the royal we. And so the queen or king would say, we feel that we are blessed by your presence and things like that. Well, we knew how many people we were talking to and about. <laughs> and as we're talking, so just, or like anybody who's having a conversation, they say, and you're not sure, you know, like they went to a party and they said, oh, and then we went from there to go get food. We don't stop and say, wait, did the entire party went and got food? You just, and if you have a question, you just say, oh, who all went? So if you are talking to someone, it usually, in my experience, is pretty easy to track in the conversation when they start using they. So I, as I've, throughout the course of this episode, talked about different students and say they were feeling this way, they, them is often the default. We used to call this preferred gender pronouns. So you could ask a person, wait, what are your preferred gender pronouns? Recently, we've gotten rid of the preferred because preferred implies that it's your option or it's that person, it's, it's optional. You can use this or not use it. So now if you met a person and you weren't sure what gender pronouns they used, if you went up to them and you just said, oh, hi, you know, what's your name and uh, what pronouns do you use? The person, if they don't know what you're talking about, they're not gonna be offended. So there's two kinds of people in this world, people who know what that question means and people who don't. So if you encountered someone who seemed gender ambiguous to you and you said to them, oh, hi, you know, like, um, you know, my name's X and what's your name? And oh, and what, what pronoun, what are your pronouns? If they're just like, huh? Then you just say, oh, never mind. You're not, they're not going to be offended. If, but if anybody who does know what you're talking about and understands that that's, that is a polite question. So don't be afraid to ask because you're saying like that, what are the pronouns that you are comfortable being referred to. And now some people are confused when they hear a person uses he, they, or she, they, meaning sometimes they are okay with she, and sometimes they're okay with they. And so that it may, or some, many people will say, I don't care just as long as you're not rude, but I prefer they, them, or I prefer whichever. I will encounter many people who will say, I prefer my, this, you know, my chosen name, but if my family still uses my dead name, I, I'm okay with it because I know it's just hard for them to make change. So when in doubt, just ask the person to follow their lead. And I had a, a parent, I, we have a forum at our school, unfortunately, many schools, Chicago public schools, a student is able to pick their chosen name uh, at 14 and just have that on all their documentation and everything. In the school where I work, we require parental consent for it to be on internal documentation and whatnot. 
Um, so I had sent a parent and a student a form so that they could change that so that when substitute teachers come in, they're not calling the student by the dead name or whatnot. And it just makes things a little bit easier. And a parent was like, well, what if, will this go on the permanent record and whatnot? And what if they just change their mind? If they change their mind, it's just simple as signing another form. It's not a big deal. Um, so this is not locking anything in. We're not performing surgery at the school. It's okay. Some people have concerns about bathrooms and locker rooms and things like that. And I guess it's funny to me, though, because these same people never seem to question if we have gay or lesbian students in those same locker rooms and bathrooms. There has not been a documented case of a trans student peering through the stall to watch someone urinating or defecating uh, or assaulting anybody anywhere. This is not a thing that happens, despite the fact that New York and California, two of the most populous states, have allowed trans people to use whatever bathrooms they like for over 20 years. If a trans person was behaving inappropriately in a bathroom, we would do the same thing that we would do to anybody who was behaving inappropriately in a bathroom. So if two heterosexual boys were you know, harassing each other in a bathroom, then they should be disciplined for that. If any, if a lesbian girl was staring in, underneath or over the top of a stall while someone else was urinating, then that would be a problem and they should be disciplined for that. So why this is an issue, I'm not really sure. What our school has decided to do is to tell all students that if they are uncomfortable changing in the locker room, that they can find an individual bathroom or area for them, regardless of their reason. Uh, years ago, I had a student who he had um, a condition where he had uh, these tumors that popped up all over his body, and he did not want to change in the regular locker room and didn't know what to do about it. Well, we just found a separate space for him to be able to change, and that's okay. And so every student, or a lot of people are just body self-conscious. So <laughs> why, it, what we, instead of trying to ship the, the student off who feels comfortable changing in a certain area, we should more ship, allow any student who wants to to change in an individual place by themselves, instead of saying, oh, trans student, you must change in this place. So again, if people have questions about how to handle any of that, so when in doubt, Try, if a person is saying, today I want to be, my name to be, you know, Gordon, and, you know, it used to be Evelyn, that's fine, try to use Gordon. If they say they want their name to be something, um, I had, a, we had a student recently who was using weather terms. So let's say they said their name, they wanted their name to be Cloud. Okay. And I had some teachers wondering, is this kid screwing with me? Or do they really want to be Cloud? I said, well, let me ask the student. And I didn't, because I didn't know that student yet. Oh yeah, that's now I just, that's 14 students <laughs> that I was dealing with in this last week. Um, so we just kind of settled on something. And so take that person at their word. If they want they, them pronouns, practice and try and use it. You will make mistakes. I will make mistakes. And that's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. It's just not okay to not care about that. And because this population is at such high risk. One in four trans students has been significantly considering suicide in the last month by um, some surveys. And the chances of them being sexually assaulted, physically assaulted, having hate crimes against them, and actually being in jail or prison and being unable to get bail are much, much higher. So when people ask, what's the big deal? Why do we have to care about this? Um, because people are dying. And it's not that hard for us to make some simple changes to recognize some people who are, as a population, the least scary, least violent, least dangerous. One last thing I'll just say is 
drag, because I mentioned RuPaul's Drag Race, most people who are artists who are involved with drag are not trans. There are some trans people and there are some cis people and there are some um, like even non-queer people who are involved with drag. I had a client and he is a cis uh, queer male and he has, re- you know, he recently came out as gay, but he said in session the other day that he has realized that he likes dressing in women's clothing, but he doesn't feel like he's female. And he was a little confused. Does that make him in some way trans? And I said, no, if you don't feel like your gender is really different, there have always been men who just liked women's clothing. And if you enjoy it and it makes you happy, go nuts. Um, that is not the same thing as, and, and again, he doesn't want to do that in a, I'll be on stage and have an exhibition, but he does want to wear makeup, be, be feminine for that period of time, but he does not feel like his gender is different. So trans and gender queer, it's less about your presentation. It's about how you're feeling inside. And it's okay, it's all okay for all people to do these things as long as they're not hurting anybody. And so that's the main thing. Uh, I can be obsessed and am with fantasy football. It's weird how much I think about it. That being said, I'm not hurting anybody and I don't gamble more than, you know, 150 bucks a year on my three fantasy football teams. So as long as I'm not hurting anyone with that and I'm finding a community and it's making me feel good, then that should be supported. All right. So I've droned on a lot longer than I typically do. If you have more questions for me, remember to email me at daniel.makler at live.com. And until we talk again, remember, do whatever it takes to get you through this world. You're just not allowed to die. Now for something completely different. Sometimes there are no words. Sometimes we need love, care, support, and affection. We don't want to explain anything. For young people with mental health issues like anxiety, depression, OCD, autism, therapy is often not enough. Paws for Patrick is an organization dedicated to connecting the love of animals to the people who need it the most. We facilitate that connection by assigning the seekers who contact us a wish granter listens to their story and their needs and helps them acquire an animal or training or documentation so they can have their emotional support animal or ESA in their apartment, dorm, condo, etc. We even have trained therapy dogs and handlers who bring dogs to people who can't have their own. Patrick rarely had the words to express his feelings and his needs, but when he had the love of his dog Cece, he had the strength to persevere. We want to provide every young person who can benefit that kind of love and support. Please check out our website at pauseforpatrick.org. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a need, reach out. If you want to help become a volunteer, fill out the form on our website. If you can donate, great, but please at least spread the word so we can replace the suffering in silence that many people do with the smiles and security that only the love of an animal can bring.